Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. You just made the comment that, that grading is a lot harder than people realize. What do you think is appropriate compensation? At what level for card graders? Is it more of a skilled wage? more of an entry-level wage? Wow, I, I love that question. Yeah, graders should be paid minimum wage. Come on, guys. This is very sophisticated. You have to have knowledge of the hobby, knowledge of printing technologies. There's a lot of training that goes into it. The more interesting question to me is not that it shouldn't be a skilled wage and a reasonably highly compensated job because they have all other alternatives. So should there be some incentive compensation? <laughs> for speed. Answer we came up with is no. <laughs> you can't pay people more to grade faster. You want them to grade as fast as they should grade, appropriately fast. You can go a little faster on the simpler cards, complicated cards like this. You, you don't want to pay them a bonus based on the value of the cards or the speed that they grade. You just want them to do a good job. And I know what we did. We had a lot of checks and balances Audit is probably too, too strong a word, but there's a lot of looking over the shoulder of making sure that even a veteran a grader needs somebody to say, hey, did you see that there? Or let's take a little bit more time on that. So it's really tricky. And now there's more mobility. There's so many grading companies out there that uh, people can jump or you can make money on your own. If you're a really good grader and you quit working for a grader, you can make pretty good money buying raw cards and pre-grading them yourself. I'm not really worried about somebody faking a Goose Gossage autograph. If it's Babe Ruth, Mantle, Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, all those guys, there's tons of bad autographs out there. On those guys, you just got to be really careful. I used to do a lot of autographs and it's before the authenticating days. These are period, they're not forgeries, they're permitted secretarial or sister autograph. So they have their own pattern. That's easier to detect that Willie Mays, hey, that's not Willie Mays. That's the clubhouse boy or something like that. Uh, DiMaggio, man, all those people you mentioned. I think the authenticators don't have a problem with that. It's the artiste, newer forgeries where people are trying to copy exactly with modern pens and technology. You can't do auto pen because they can detect that, but something made to look exactly because Joe DiMaggio's sister, you just know that was done by his sister. And so that, in fact, they ought to just slab it and say it's autographed by his sister. Hank Aaron, his wife signed a lot for him late in his life. And it's easy to distinguish a Hank Aaron. A lot of his male autographs were done by his wife. And I have several of them, by the way. Signed by Mrs. Hank Aaron. What do you do with them? Because you can't uh, slab them. I keep them as exemplars, honestly. I've gotten a lot of criticism for keeping known, not real autographs, like not tearing them up or destroying them or whatever. First of all, it's my item. I can do with it as I wish. I'm not trying to resell it or pass it off, but I have the famous Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams picture where they're all three together and it's not real. And really just a lesson for me. Let's complicate it further because, number one, I've got some triple signed photos legitimately signed by two out of three. And the third one is either questionable or inauthentic, is rejected. Okay, what do you do when you got two-thirds of a fabulous photo? The other thing I don't hear talked about that much is when the authenticators are denying something, 
that is an opinion as well. Now, it's a very expert opinion, but I'm not the only one that's gotten cards back rejected that I completely dispute. Either yeah. I know who I got it from or I know where I got it. And it's an opinion. And my opinion is it's still good, but they would not slab it. And I could go back to them. I have done that and said, hey, I'd like you to take a second look at this. This may be an early career version or he was on the run or it's spring training and he's signing at an angle. So I dispute some of these judgments that are made. But how do you know Hank Aaron didn't say, you know what, I'm going to sign one like my wife signs. You just can't know definitively, but... I'll agree. You're probably 99% sure that Hank Aaron is not good, but there ought to be a market for that. I'd like to see it slabbed as an autograph that didn't pass. And then you could sell it. Now, if somebody cracked it out, they still can't get it to an authentic, legitimate autograph authenticator if it's not. And if the technology gets better where they can really photo and fingerprint these cards. They'll know it's be been through before, right? But I will send something back through if I think, hey, I don't agree. Just like resubmission of uh, grading, I got a seven on a card. I think that's an eight or a nine. And I can either send it back to the same place for reconsideration or send it somewhere else. But it's not to get a better grade. It's to get the grade I think it deserves because it was my card and it was pack pulled. Almost always they're right because they are experts. PSA DNA for a long time on their website, on the autograph authentication, they said, we use our proprietary ink technology where they basically would mark every item that came through PSA DNA with some type of UV something detectable on there. And I can't find it now on there. I don't know if it's, it's a micro dot. It's a micro dot. Okay. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how it worked. Well, then they'd be useful because... If you don't know where it is, you can't replicate it, but it's a DA something that they have a way to detect, but you don't. And I don't think there's a way for anybody to do it other than them. I thought it's, it's still a part of that. You know what? Even if they don't do it, there's a mystique, but I think they do it because they said they do it. I, uh, they've been doing that for a long time and right. it's not hard to do, but supposedly there's some DNA in the micro dot or something that's unique that you can't replicate. Why can't they do that with regular cards? I think they could. But it's actually adding an element to the card. So that's frowned upon. With an autograph card, there's already stuff added to the card. It's called an autograph. <laughs> but if it's a regular card, they don't want to do that. I don't know that it would degrade after 50 years. They're going to take a high-res photo of the card. And at some level of specificity, that card is unique because of printing technologies. The ridges, the topography of the card. I don't know what they're doing. But that's I think it's good that it's a it's good that there's a mystery. That's not a bad thing that people don't know how they do it if it's a deterrent to people trying to pull bad things off. You were talking earlier the speed yeah. and how graders are looked at. Are they incentivized for accuracy? And how do you incentivize accuracy? Because yeah. th that would need two graders. I'm going to be pretty glib here, but I always like Mookie's uh, comments. The incentive is you get to keep your job. If you're not accurate, you're retrained. And if you're still not accurate, you're either demoted to being a junior grader, or you're asked to go somewhere else. The accuracy, Mookie, is a given. And so the incentive is you keep your job. And if you're really accurate and you're the go-to guy, which some of the guys that have been there for 25 years are that, then they are more senior graders and they're recognized by their peers as well as by management as being really solid. Rich says, I thought I heard Nat Turner talk about a card which was resubmitted to PSA and they caught the alterations easily. 
Why? Because it was serial number and they kept a record of the first submission. I would assume serial number cards have got to be the easiest ones to catch alterations on because you don't even have to worry about fingerprinting. It's already identified for you. If you had an original photo, you need to have the before and after, and more and more social media has that. But there's always a lot of suggestions for how the card companies can do more stuff that's helpful to the collector. And if it resonates, they'll do it. But to have this complete database of all the cards uh, that's a photographic database of here's what every card looks like, I'm not even sure that isn't revenue negative. It, it, it increases costs. I don't know that it would even increase sales. It, it would cause for a lot of problems. When, Rich knows when we were with the company, it was hard to get information from the card companies because they're putting it out so fast. Sometimes what they did put out, we'd double check and see that it wasn't correct because they'd made some change. Card companies, I just wanted to put out great cards and the aftermarket can determine Again, I, I just think with all the social media out there, you pull a great card, you're bragging about it, you're showing it. And if a year later, it's a bolder three-color patch in there that mysteriously appeared. Again, crime needs to not pay. People won't do that if they find out that if they get caught, it lowers the value. So don't do it because you will be caught. That's what I want to communicate. John says the uh, secondary market will never be defeated. Wait a minute, John I- I- Keating. I- it's a whack-a-mole. So in that sense, we'll never defeat the whole secondary of some of these bad people. But I think we can take them out one at a time, just like in the whack-a-mole. I'm going to whack the one that pops up, but another one's going to pop up, and I'm going to keep whacking till they're all gone. Maybe it's a never-ending process, John Keating, but we need to keep pointing out what's right and what's good. Yeah, we can't just throw up our hands and say, we're not going to get everybody, so let's not even try. That's unacceptable. Were there more fakes and shenanigans prior to the age of Reagan? So we're just catching more now. It's proportional to price. That's right. It's proportional to technology. So increasing technology, increasing price, increasing publicity of record sales. Grading are the good guys. They're catching the bad guys and, and pointing it out. So hopefully we're catching almost all of them. P. Rose was the biggest fake card ever, as Keating's guess. And that speaks to the price and the technology, I think. Yeah, but guys, what I'm saying is that with Pete Rose, the reason they could do that is they took raw cardboard. That, as I remember, it it felt a little bit different than Topps cardstock for that Pete Rose rookie that was uh, fake. It was a counterfeit. You could figure out what it was, but they were taking raw cardboard, just putting ink on paper. So there's no downside to that other than getting caught. And there was a settlement that they were all stamped, as I recall. But this LeBron thing, that's taking a perfectly great card. Not a perfectly good card, but a perfectly great card. The downside there is if you tamper with it and mess up, you've dropped the the value drastically, I hope. So that's what puzzles me. The modern shenanigans are doctoring cards. You you take a, a vintage seven card and you want to make it a nine. And so you shave one of the the sides to make it perfectly centered and it it would have gotten a nine but instead it gets caught and gets an an a it gets authentic altered and you've presumably reduced the the value so there's a downside whereas like the pete rose thing there wasn't much downside there both are concerns creating a card as well as doctoring a card i'm absolutely against both lebron card was already a very expensive card how much delta could there really be by changing out the patch that feels unnecessary trimming vintage cards i'm sure that happens a lot more because there is a giant delta as we know between 
a seven and a nine on a 57 tops card. The seven might cost a hundred bucks. So the risk there is if you get caught and it turns into an A, it's now a $20 card. So you risk 80 bucks, but you could gain thousands of dollars if it comes back a nine, if it's not caught. Sadly, I think it happens a lot. If there was an 80% success rate that you could get the seven bumped up to a nine, I'm concerned about the other 20% of what happens. If you murder 10 people and there's an 80% chance you're going to get away with it, that means you murder two people that they convicted you of. You're going to jail. You're maybe going to be executed in certain states. And so there needs to be a punishment that says, hey, I I can murder these people and I've got an 80% chance of getting away with it. But if you've got an 80% chance of... uh, doctoring this seven and turning it into a nine, an 80% chance of getting away with it, that 20% needs to be a deterrent that, you know what, if I get caught, I didn't just lose 80 bucks. I lost my reputation. It's borderline criminal. It's fraud. Most of the trimming back in the 70s, and there was some in 80s perhaps, pretty much pre-grading, it wasn't clumsy as much as it was probably one sixteenth of an inch. And one sixteenth of an inch or anything more than one sixteenth of an inch, the grading companies are absolutely going to catch that. The problem is now they've got these micro laser shaving things to where they can do micrometers or they can just shave just a tiny bit to improve edges and make the centering a little better. And the measurement, and then if they flatten them out a little bit, they it can get back to measure. Rosen's tool did not take into account that if a card is pressed, it can then be slightly oversized and then micro-trimmed. In the 70s, it, it may even have been more for aesthetics. So you got this great card. You're, yep. you're not thinking about grading, and it's a little off-centered. I've had childhood collections I bought in the 70s and 80s, and the cards were trimmed because it just looked better. I've had 52 tops that were trimmed into 52 Bowman size. Talk about a, a felony. Oh. 